Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another laugh spectacular, stupendous, frightful episode of Fanholes Comics, motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I'm not alone for this beginning of Fanholes Fright Fest Month on Fanholes. And joining me tonight is one of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and do I really look like a guy who has a plan? I hope so, because we're going to need it for tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about two, count them, two Joker graphic novels. And I don't use the term lightly, because normally I'd poo-poo calling a comic book a graphic novel. But, like, these are these are pretty legit graphic novels, both of them. Like, they were, they were you know, they had the upper price point tag, and they were they were released as hardcovers and everything. The, the first thing we're going to discuss tonight is going to be a little graphic novel called joker devil's advocate and this was technically on sale november 21st 1995 thanks to mike's amazing world for that information but it's got like a cover date of 1996 the cover price as was mentioned before was a whopping 24.95 and the title of course is devil's advocate the writer is chuck dixon penciler is graham nolan inker scott Hannah, letterer John Costanza, colorist Pat Guerreri, and editor Scott Peterson. And here, hopefully, is a brief synopsis that is semi-stolen and semi-modified for our purposes. The Joker is angry. A set of commemorative stamps of comedians has been made, and he's not one of the honorees. He isn't even eligible since he's still alive, but he wants revenge regardless. After he's captured at the Central Sorting Office, Joker finds he is receiving even more attention than ever. He is accused of a string of murders connected with the stamps, but denies being responsible. Across the city, people are dying after licking poison stamps from the comedian collection. And this time, He's not going to get away on an insanity plea. The police and district attorney's office are convinced that he is finally going to face the electric chair. Unfortunately, it becomes clear to Batman as he witnesses the Joker's behavior at the trial 
that he is truly innocent of these crimes. With the real killer on the loose, there's no way that Batman can allow Joker to be sentenced for a crime he didn't commit, no matter how many other unanswered crimes he has committed in the past. Batman tracks down and interrogates various former henchmen of the Joker, and while he finds a known associate of the Joker responsible for a copycat extortion scheme running on the back of the trial, it's clear that this individual is not responsible for actually poisoning the stamps with Joker venom. The media overpublicize the case, and the families of the victims become minor celebrities. Eventually, much to everyone's surprise, including the Joker, a unanimous guilty verdict is reached by the jury, and the Joker is sentenced to death. One final lead is found, a scrap of paper with a partial address on it. It ends up being a storage container, and after a tip from the Tim Drake Robin, the police break into the container and discover a stash of Joker Venom. One of the men connected with the storage company who always entered the containers if the renters defaulted on payments is discovered to be the husband of one of the victims. Confronted by the Dark Knight detective, he confesses to the crime, and the governor issues a pardon to the Joker mere moments before his electrocution. Later, the Joker gloats to Batman that he still lives. Batman replies that the Joker should always remember from now on he owes his life to his greatest enemy, surely the Joker's worst nightmare. And that's kind of a wham-bam, thank you ma'am synopsis of The Devil's Advocate. I... I bought this when it first came out, like, and I didn't normally go out of my way to buy the higher end. I mean, it, it had to be something special for me to, like, you know, I, I kind of either tried to get those four ninety five, six ninety five graphic novels, or even the, you know, the nineteen ninety nine, or the in this case twenty four ninety five graphic novels. I, I tried to wait for sales or whatever type of, you know, bargains that I could get on something like that. But I do remember. I think mainly based on the strength that this was a Joker story and then the the creative team was the creative team on the Detective Comics title at the time, which I really enjoyed. Like, I think on the strength of both those factors, like I went ahead and bought this, you know, kind of essentially sight unseen. Like these, this was one of those graphic novels you couldn't just like flip through it in the store unless like the store maybe had a an opened unsealed copy or whatever that you could flip through in the front. Cause I, if I remember these were like that, you know, vacuum, you know, in the plastic bag that you had to sort of pry it out of or whatever, that kind of thing. I, I would say, I mean, I don't know. This is just me burying the lead, you know, before we get into like notes or details or anything like that. But if, if I was going to write a, a Joker list, uh, a list of favorite stories as we are apt to do sometimes, I mean, this would definitely, I mean, I don't know how high it would rank, you know, it probably would rank pretty high, but I think this would definitely rank on, on a list of, of, of favorite Joker stories for me. Cause I do really enjoy this. I think it's a good showcase of the Joker. It has some great moments and, you know, we'll get into specific notes eventually, but I, I that's kind of why I picked this. And it was one of those things where I knew, you know, I mean, I guess pulling back the veil, like, you know, I guess, you know, people should be going to see maybe the, the Joker film in the theaters that's supposed to be coming out. And, you know, we kind of wanted to do some kind of Joker related content to tie into that. And then also it's October. So we're doing Fright Fest and, you know, what's more, you know, frightful than the Joker. So we figure it works on on both those kind of you know 
modus operandi is those kind of you know th those bullet points and everything so that's kind of why i picked this and and it was one that i thought was enjoyable and and was kind of a fun read and you know that's that's essentially why i picked this but i i'm imagining because i think we we've had a discussion about this prior to recording but th this is like the first time you've read this correct yeah that's correct Although I, I, I feel like I know, knew a lot about this story beforehand because you mentioned it several times. Like, I, th I think you... I'm not, you like, are, are you, are you going to blame me? Or I, I wonder if, like, are there other things, like, by osmosis? Like, is it possible, like, you know, things like Wizard and other magazines could, could spoil, like, sort of, you know, I don't know you know, infamous moments in stories or famous yeah. moments, things like, like that. I'm sure I've heard of this elsewhere. I, I think I just remember you like kind of joking about this story where, you know, it's like, why doesn't Batman kill the Joker? Like he doesn't even kill him when like he has a perfect excuse to kill him. Basically. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, this is, this is that era. I mean, I think it's a wonderful showcase for the, the Joker. I mean, I suppose we could get into why it, it epitomizes like, the biggest flaw in Batman as a character, or at least, I, I don't know, like, like, like this era of Batman, like it's gotta be his way or the highway and his kind of, uh, I don't know, like confused morality. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, even when the legal system is like, yeah, we're going to execute the Joker. It's like, not on my watch, you know, and it's just like, what? <laughs> it's like, what? justice does not work that way. <laughs> Like I, I, you know, and that's that kind of thing where you're like, are you, are you shitting me, Batman? Come on, dude. Like, you know, and it's funny because like him and Tim Drake have that little moment where it's kind of like, are you gonna give me the third degree too? And he's like, nope, I'm not, because I'm a fan favorite character, and I'm just gonna smile and nod and go along with it. You're the best, Batman. And it's like, awesome. Now I can crack a smile. You know, and it's just like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, that's fine. I mean, I, I could totally poke fun at poor, that kind of but poor, but poor Barbara Gordon's feelings don't get entered into right, the right. equation. They, they, yeah. don't, they, they don't come into the equation at all. You know, you know what's interesting about that is because they, you know, it, that's an important beat in the story because they, they go to her for help on the case to like track down like all these different addresses while they're putting all the clues together. And, and I also think just as a, another side tangent to a side tangent, like, the notion that the creative team that wrote this was the creative team on detective comics. Like I could easily see this probably could have started. I mean, this is all pure speculation. I don't know anything about it for real, but I, I, I feel like I could surmise that this could have easily been like a three or four issue arc in detective comics with all the, I mean, it, it's clearly like a detective story. There's, there's murders going on. They're tied to, you know, quote unquote, commemorative comedian stamps where you've got like the three stooges and laurel and hardy and you know uh, uh, i'm trying to think of like the marx brothers like all these these famous you know kind of comedians on stamps yeah, and yeah yeah so and and then when people you know obviously send the stamps out they have to lick the stamps and then of course the joker venom's there and then they become you know poisoned and die right and so you've got this like mystery going on like who's sending the stamps like is it the joker well it's clearly not the joker but it's somebody else and there's a lot of misdirection and there's things that are set up and you know you know this is something i think you can't overlook and i'll get back to oracle in a second but this i think the reason why i like this particular graphic novel is this is not 
a Jeff Loeb murder mystery. Like, the Red Hulk doesn't come out of fucking left field on page, like, 90 and be like, oh, ha, it was me the whole time. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're from Marvel. <laughs> doesn't matter, I fooled you, you know? And it's just like, it's out of nowhere or whatever. Like, all the, the characters in this are clearly set up. And, and there's misdirection and subterfuge, and they try to, you know, it's like, it's like you, you, the obvious thing is, oh, well, Joker Venom, probably sent by the Joker. And then they have the guy in the wheelchair who was one of Joker's former henchmen, and you're thinking, oh, well, this must be the guy. He's trying to extort money, and he's the one behind this whole scheme and everything, and, and trying to, you know, pin it on the Joker while he takes money from the city. But then it's like, aha, it's none of those guys. And, you know, spoilers if you haven't read the story, but, you know, I went through the synopsis and everything, but there, early on, there's a setup where there's this kind of, you know, portly old guy who, who, you know, greets his wife and is just like, oh, yeah, go ahead and use the commemorative stamp, honey. And then she she licks the stamp and, you know, she's, of course, Joker Venom to death. And, and you know, I think the, the, the natural response is, like all these other family members who are affected by that tragedy, you assume that this guy, along with all the other family members that are crying and sad and upset or outraged and want to see the Joker, you know, electrocuted and all that kind of stuff, you know, see, quote unquote, you know, justice or what, you know, whatever, right? Like, they are clearly saddened by that and have all these kind of mixed feelings. So you assume this guy would share the feelings, but the twist is, like, he actually plotted and planned this and, like, killed a whole bunch of other people just to, like, kill his own wife for, I don't know, inheritance because he couldn't stand her. Like, there seems to be, like, you know, a lot of weird twisted factors to his his reasoning and rationale and everything. But then and on top of that, that he was willing to, like, like commit mass murder just to kill one person. Like, it's like it's kind of kind of crazy. But but again, it's it's something that's like set up in the beginning. Like you you see that character probably on, you know, I don't know. I didn't count the pages, but, you know, page eight, page nine, page ten. It's not like that character comes out of left field out of nowhere. And it's all of a sudden like they're the the mastermind behind the whole thing. It's 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 clearly well set up. And I guess going back to, to Oracle, the other thing that that I guess is is worth remembering or noting is like this is like right on the cusp like i think that same month the birds of prey miniseries was coming out so this is before like i mean it's it, it doesn't predate suicide squad obviously and she she had a lot of strides and and dealt with a lot of her feelings towards the joker in those comic books and everything but i think this is kind of before she sort of went beyond that and sort of became like the not only the pre preeminent information broker in the DC universe, but sort of became, you know, essentially like the leader of her own superhero team, right? And and that I think I think when she faces the Joker after that, you know, the post Birds of Prey period, you'd get a different response other than her just kind of, you know, kind of going into shutdown, like literal shutdown, where like all the computers shut down and all that kind of other stuff. When just at the mention of the Joker's name, because clearly, like at this point, she hasn't. Well, I mean, you're never going to recover from something like that, but she, she, you know, clearly this is still a, a, a sore wound for her at this point. Yeah, like I, I was kind of like I was surprised she didn't come back into the story. Like she mm -hmm. just 
you know, she just reboots all their computers. And then, like, you know, Tim's like, you know, what? Uh, Batman's like, what happened? And Tim's like, oh, she just rebooted all our computers. And then she's gone, basically. Yeah, and this is this is kind of a, a Tim Drake that's early in his career. I mean, it's it's, I don't know, two years into the solo Robin series. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, like some of this stuff, like, I guess you have to... They, they all have that kind of comics code moral authority or whatever you know it's like it's like none of them are going to be bloodthirsty and 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 want death but you're, you're kind of thinking to yourself well shit like tim's met the joker before you know like he had his second robin miniseries with all those goddamn foil holo foil fucking cards and covers that i was stupid enough to buy like every last one of or whatever when they came out and like you know like like that the whole point was you know i mean even the whole time batman was always like don't engage the joker don't engage the joker like jason todd died when he engaged the joker don't engage the joker you know and at this point this is a little further into tim's career so like batman obviously like trusts tim to you know participate in taking down the joker at the post office and you know at some point he's like all right stay back now we you know don't get too close but it's you know he doesn't you know i don't know berate him or chastise him for for jumping into the the battle and, and taking out Joker when he's dressed up like a, a postal worker going postal or whatever. But, you know, that it, sometimes you, you do tend to wonder about, I mean, I, I think that's the thing I always wrestled about with like superhero morality in comics, you know, where it's like they, you know, like sometimes you can afford to be magnanimous and have that kind of comics code authority of like, well, you know, it's like when you're Superman and bullets bounce off you, you can afford to be like, all right, like, I'm not going to, you know, neutralize you because the comparison is non-existent, right? Like, just even if the guy double crosses you and pulls a gun on you and you're Superman, like, you're not going to get shot to death, right? But if you're Tim Drake, if you're Barbara Gordon, if you're, you know, Batman, like, that's a possibility. And, like, you know, that and, and, and the fact that, like, even, even James Gordon, right? I mean, James Gordon's got to, like, you know, hate the guy's guts too you know i mean he has his moments where he gets at least a little dark where he's kind of like you know he, he, he continually pushes as well i guess we've got our guy it's the joker like you know and even if it's not like there's plenty of other reasons why it should be anyway so let's let's not let look a gift horse in the mouth <laughs> yeah like i i you know when batman's still like you know justice doesn't work that way jim <laughs> like I'm like, come on, man. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's a funny it's a funny story. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's not to say I mean, I think it's 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 well written. It's it's, uh, you know, to me, like, I guess, focusing on like some of the things that that I I super enjoy about it is and th this is a weird thing to say. But like, I I think, you know, since since I got into comics, I mean, I think there's a reason why the Joker is like usually voted in these like crazy you know top 100 lists like typically the joker ends up invariably being like the number one like super villain of all time on a lot of these lists and i think there's that aspect to him where it's not that necessarily like it's not like people are like well i don't know maybe people are horrible people but but I, I, I was just going to say, it, it's not like everyone who enjoys the Joker or votes for him on a, on a supervillain list is, is a horrible person. But the notion that there's that kind of abandon the Joker has, that kind of, you know, that, that unpredictability that, that everyone, you know, wishes they could implement 
on occasion, you know, because because of whatever they they encounter in their lives and stuff like that. And I I think like my like if I was going to put this on my you know favorite Joker list of comics, like what they usually come down to, like my favorite Joker stories are just like favorite moments. And it's like Underworld Unleashed is one of those where I just I love the notion that the Joker sold his fucking soul for a box of Cuban cigars. Like, I think that's, like, the most genius fucking thing I've ever read. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you sold your soul for cigars? And he's like, but they're Cubans! You know, like, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's just like I, one of those things where I, I love that fucking shit. And, like, in this, I guess my favorite moment is when the, the prison tough comes in it's like, I like that dude who played the harmonica because he shoves a harmonica down some guy's throat because he can't stand it. And then I, I love that moment where he just, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I, should I apologize? And then all of a sudden he just starts beating him to death with his fucking shoe heel. And he, he, he basically, like, kills the guy with his shoe. And, like, that's, I, to me, that's, like, I think my favorite moment in this whole, whole graphic novel. <laughs> In a, in a similar vein, in a, like as you can tell by my avatar, I think I cracked up in the moment where they they had the Joker in the electric chair, and then like by the end of it, they're like, "What do you think, Joker? Joker? Oh, he fell asleep. Like he's sleeping in the electric chair." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty funny, and like I mean, he he does have a lot of great moments in this, as far as as the Joker goes. You know, like that's that's I don't think there's any question about that. Oh, I guess going back to Jim Gordon, like, I, I feel like the older I get, the more I can relate to, like, Jim Gordon down in a bottle of Pepto-Bismol instead of, like, you know, using a spoon, you know, and doing all this kind of old man shit or whatever, <laughs> you know? And then sometimes you're sitting there going, you know, Jim, I bet Jim's kind of right. Like, he's like, yeah, if, if it's a gift horse, like, why, you know, why, 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 why look funny at a gift horse? Like, you know, you might as well go with it or whatever that kind of thing and then i guess some other like random notes i had is like in in this graphic novel he has a lawyer the joker and and he call it, it, it he's either called milt or you know sometimes he, he calls him milty he's like milty you know or whatever and he's 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 calling him you know by some kind of you know nickname or whatever but you know i don't know if the lawyer's name is milton so-and-so or whatever they don't really go into a lot of details on who who's named who in in a lot of these kind of stories because it's kind of a fast clip you know chuck dixon written piece and they don't they don't go into all these specifics or anything like that but what i was going to say was in a strange way like and I, I don't know if you'll see this once i say it or not but in, in Dark Knight Returns, the Joker has a shrink. You know, it's like, in my book, I'm sane, and so are you. It's this guy, Dr. Bartholomew Wolper. And, like, he's he kind of, I don't know, like, like they're not the same, but, like, they, they're just, they're, they're bald dudes. They have glasses, and they have this kind of, like, froey, like, mess mop of a hair on their head. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, it just, it, they, they both reminded me of that same type of person you know like they had a they had a similar look about them and i just i don't know why but that that kind of stood out to me where i was like oh this, this is it's kind of like his doctor in in the dark knight returns but instead it's his lawyer and they're both kind of in in a weird way like they're both good at what they do but they're kind of like spineless too like it's it's i don't know it's it's kind of interesting and everything i guess other notes i had was there's a 
I guess for a you know long time either Dixon Nolan fans of of their run like there's a reference to uh, the, that lawyer says you know oh Paragon Pictures is is getting the rights to to your story or whatever it is and Paragon Pictures was like a fictional Gotham City movie production company and that's a callback to a Detective Comics arc from Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan that was in Night Quest and that's when like as bats fights the joker and and the joker's making this film called the death of batman and he's got like i don't know it's a stupid joker thing where he's got like a bunch of midgets dressed up as batman and you know joker's like you know having him die on camera or whatever like just dumb <laughs> joke i, I remember yeah like i remember some of that from like the nightfall audio book yeah 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 and so 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 there's a callback to that and everything and i mean the the other thing too is this this has a very much a feel of all the current Batman comics at the time, which so sometimes I think is unusual because this is this is clearly a standalone graphic novel. Like you don't have to be immersed in the day to day operations of the Batman titles to appreciate this graphic novel. But at the same time, like Chuck Dixon doesn't shy away from anything. Like you've got Tim Drake with his then girlfriend Ariana and the fathers in the truck, and it's just for like one page, but like. If you were reading, you know, the Solo Robin book at the time, you'd be like, oh, hey, look, like, you know, and it, you know, it helps that they're all written by the same guy, right? It helps that Chuck Dixon was writing Robin, and it helps that Chuck Dixon was writing Detective Comics, and then he also wrote this graphic novel. But it, it did always make you feel like, I, I know sometimes there's that hesitance of if it's, if it's an Elseworld, if it's a what if, if it's... Uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of a quote unquote imaginary story. Like if it's got this whopping price tag, you're like, well, it doesn't quote unquote count. You know, it's not part of the canon or the official, you know, Earth Prime, you know, or, 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 or New Earth or Earth One or whatever the, you know, the standard is, you know, the main DC universe or if it's Marvel, you know, it's not part of the 616. So I don't I don't care about it too much. But like this makes you feel like even though it's a high price point for this graphic novel and and even though it's a standalone thing like it it does seem to incorporate so much of what the current batman comics were doing at the time you felt like this mattered like it was part of continuity and it counted and i i think at least when, when i was getting it i mean to me i felt like this was a legit purchase but yeah yeah so like that's that's something that i always kind of took away from this where i was kind of like you know this this was something that that actually mattered you know it's not like the joker turns into a wizard and goes and fucks off because batman's a vampire or some shit you know what i mean like this <laughs> this actually like happened you know like type thing. yeah it's kind of i mean I know, I know it's fictional, but you, you know what i mean yeah like i enjoyed reading and i thought the art was really good i think like i like i said i think this story might have been a little infamous to me maybe thanks to you and maybe thanks to like you know stuff i've read elsewhere but like I enjoyed reading it. Like I I I I'm not super familiar with this period of Batman, but, but like I, I was, you know, there wasn't anything that confused me or anything. So yeah, I, I think it's well written in that way where it incorporates current events of of Batman, but it also doesn't. I mean, it's it's definitely new reader friendly and and doesn't like leave you in the dark about things. I mean, you you might have to know a couple things, but I mean, I you know, but. I think for the most part, it's it, even within the context of of the page or so that different various characters show up. I mean, 
you understand the context if you don't understand every little bit of minutiae regarding the characters in their history you know like it's 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 well written enough that it it makes sense as you're reading it and is self-contained enough that you know you can just read this on its own and enjoy it but if you if you have a, a greater understanding of the other batman comics then you you can you know see the the embellishments or the 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 touches that he puts that that incorporates it into that same world i guess the only other thing that that i i tend to like to go into when when stuff like this comes up is it it always kind of cracks me up how you know of course people will point out like how horrible the acts of the joker will tend to be in i'd say i mean i don't know if you can just point to modern stories but at least you know the early stories in the 30s when he's he's killing people with joker venom and then you jump to like you know say like the the 70s the neil adams stuff and then down the road from there the joker was always you know murdering people you know poisoning them with venom you know push people off bridges like what, whatever he was doing right like all this kind of you know heinous stuff and like that's all well and good like yes joker's a bad person i mean i'm sitting here advocating that they should have electrocuted his ass so that's you know that's that's my my uh my social stance on the matter as far as that goes but i think it is interesting that like they're in a world where you're presuming that like a lot of these people are quote-unquote good people and the joker's the bad person but a lot of times the joker is incarcerated i mean whether he's in arkham asylum like he normally is or in this case he, he literally gets sent to blackgate prison like he's in a high detention he's in solitary for most of the time they're going to put him on death row like all this stuff and yet there are still plans and machinations and things that go on even though he's he, for all intents and purposes you think you know you, you you know, we're joking about the, the college humor, you know, justice, you know, he's brought to justice, but yet he can still facilitate an entire criminal scheme, even when he's on trial, you know, like, and, 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 and that doesn't happen. I mean, it's not like he's a magical thing, right? Like he, he can't just, you know, make up like holograms out of his brain and have them do it for him. Like, there's human element involved in making all that stuff happen. And it's like, yeah, you might think the Joker's horrific, but it's like, think about all the, the scummy people who facilitate his actions from a prison cell or from an asylum, you know, like, it's like, and, and what is it? Like they, they all rationalize, you know, they all just think, ah, well, I need money to help pay for my kids dentures and I'm doing a good thing. And meanwhile, like, you know, five other people get murdered by stamps or some shit, you know, like, and it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like that, that, that just leads me to believe there's people out there that, that are maybe, you know, just as, you know, horrific as the Joker or even more horrific because at least the Joker acknowledges he's a crazy fuck. And he's sitting there like in the middle of the courtroom going, I'll show you the king of crime. Like it's me, you know, like that thing when he's going off on the lawyer that like catches him. He's like, would you say that you've, you've seen better crimes? And he's like, of course they were all mine. You know, like that thing. Yeah, I getcha. And I, 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 I like what you said or like implied about like, you know, the escalation of the Joker's crimes like over the years, like 
like it, I think it it kind of worked in this story's favor, where you're like, yeah, that's kind of like something the Joker would do, like in a almost like classic story. But mm. you know, it, yeah, like I I think it was like you said, it was it wasn't a Jeff Loeb murder mystery. Like that was like I was actually like I was like, well, who did do it? Like if he didn't do it, like right. So, but yeah, it, it was it was really effective. Yeah, I think I think it's very well written. The art's great. And and if if you're a fan of the Joker, this is a pretty wonderful showcase for the Joker. I, I think Tim Drake gets a pretty good showing too, as far as that goes. So I, I I'd say at least yeah, that like, much is, even is like, true. Even even if I don't necessarily agree with Batman, like I, I did like the scene where Tim Drake was like, you know, he just shows his, you know, he has faith in Batman and yeah, says, yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'll I'll stick by you, you know. That's great, yeah. Tim, because justice. <laughs> I cannot. You can't take shortcuts. I can't. I now now I can't read this without hearing the college humor guy's <laughs> voice now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So so I think I think that kind of covers you know most of what we wanted to say about the Devil's Advocate graphic novel. We're gonna take a short break. I'm gonna actually play a specific trailer from the Overlooked Dark Knight. And I think their show would have probably covered this Devil's Advocate graphic novel long before you hear this. But if you're listening to this, go check out Overlook Dark Knight, because I, I did have a Facebook chat with Michael Bailey where we both discovered, oh, hey, I'm going to cover that, too. So so check that out. They, they may have some interesting insights on that as well. In 1939, Bob Kane and Bill Finger created a shadowy crime fighter steeped in the pulps and crime dramas of the time. That character was Batman. Over the next 80 years, Batman not only became one of the most popular comic book characters of all time, but also became a television and movie phenomenon, appearing in both live-action and animated projects. And then there are the plethora of video games, trading cards, action figures, and statues that have been made of him and his cast of characters. Because of this, Mike and I want to spend the next year celebrating his 80th birthday. And we're calling that celebration the Overlooked Dark Knight Celebration of Batman's 80th Birthday. Yes. But really? Really? That, that's the best name that you could come up with. You've written panels, dude, and that's the best thing you could come up with. It's accurate. Yeah, but... You know, you and I have been podcasting a long time now. That was the placeholder name. We can do better than that. Okay, what's your idea? Well, what did we call it in the first episode of this series that we've already recorded? I really have no idea. It's a miracle that I remember what books we talked about. Well, that's fair, because I don't remember that either. Anyway, Andy and I are going to be spending May 2019 to May 2020 talking about Batman stories from all eras that we feel are either overlooked or too awesome not to talk about. We're even going to have special episodes dedicated to things like the 1989 Batman film and what issues of Detective Comics we would include in a big hardcover collection. Episodes will drop twice a month. You sure about that? To the best of my ability, episodes will drop twice a month at www.fortressofbailytude.com You can also find the show on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. The Overlooked Dark Knight's celebration of Batman's 80th birthday. Because everyone is doing it, but we're doing it for a whole year. 
the Overlook Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Baileytude Podcasting Network. All rights reserved. We're back, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to that Overlook Dark Knight promo trailer. And we're going to be discussing on this back half of the show another Joker graphic novel. And I I don't think I actually revealed it in the beginning, but what we're going to be discussing in the second half is the Joker 2008 graphic novel. It's written by Brian Azzarello, and the art is from Lee Bermejo. And again, October 22nd, 2008 was the on-sale date. This had a cover price. It's interesting. It, it went down. The, the cover price is $19.99 for this hardcover as opposed to $24.95. So that's kind of interesting. And I, again, sort of, I, I, I took a, a, a Wikipedia synopsis and I kind of tweaked it a little bit. But I, I, we will discuss some of my tweaks later on because they're, I think, relevant to the the story points or at least interpretations of of the story points i'll say but yeah hopefully this will be quick and then mike and i are gonna discuss johnny frost a low-level thug is sent to arkham asylum to pick up the joker upon his release joker immediately takes a liking to frost using him as a driver and a chauffeur Frost drives the Joker to the lair of Killer Croc, and the three go out to a strip bar. With the help of Harley Quinn, the Joker kills the owner, a former associate, and asks the shocked audience if they're willing to help him take his city back. The next morning, the Joker robs a bank and coaxes the Penguin to invest the stolen money. The Joker embarks on a killing spree, killing many thugs who stole his money, turf, and bizarre sense of reputation. Informed by the Penguin that Harvey Dent probably won't take his calls, an enraged Joker trashes a phone, kills one of Croc's thug life posse, and then sets the club on fire. The next day, Frost is detained by Dent, who warns Frost that the Joker will kill him. Because of the secret meeting, Frost is late to the Joker's meeting with the Riddler. They exchange a briefcase, and the Joker leaves. Once on the road, the Joker's crew is attacked by off-duty cops hired by Dent, and Frost saves the Joker's life in the scuffle by blowing out the brains of a cop who is about to gun him down. The Joker then embarks on a turf war against Dent, prompting him to meet with the Joker at the city zoo. Bringing the briefcase he received from the Riddler, The Joker says he has learned of Dent having two wives and threatens to use the contents of the briefcase as leverage against him. He then attacks Dent with shards of broken glass glued to his fingertips. When Dent's men raise their guns, Harley reveals her disguise as an ape and shoots all of them in the head. After helping Frost get his ex-wife Shelly back, who is being held hostage by Dent, The Joker can be seen pulling his pants back on after having intercourse with Shelly in front of Frost. He tells Croc to pay her whatever it was worth and tells Frost that this makes them even. Later, Harvey paints a bat on a spotlight and pleads with Batman to stop the Joker. When the Joker and Frost return to their apartment, they find the window shattered and flee to Croc's lair. 
However, Batman has already subdued Croc and his gang. In a final attempt to escape, Joker and Frost flee to a nearby bridge. While the Joker is setting the streets on fire, Frost inexplicably finds himself laughing, unable to stop. They find Batman in wait, and the Joker, being provoked by Batman's taunt, shoots Frost in the chin, leaving him with a Glasgow smile. The Joker and Batman continue their fight as Frost climbs over the edge of the bridge and falls into the river. And that pretty much is the Joker graphic novel from 2008. Again, I guess I'll, I'll go with the same line of questioning before we get into notes and some some interesting tidbits I discovered. Research, I guess, as as I was I was uh, rereading this and trying to put timelines together and things like that. But my my my, you know, kind of vanilla line of questioning. Is this something you'd read before I asked you to read this? No, no. OK. And then and then uh, I, I feel like a lot of people have like with with most Azarello type stories, like most people have like a, a gut adverse reaction to a lot of them. Like there there's certain things like I mean, I've had it myself sometimes, you know, I, there, there's been things I've read of his where it's just kind of turned my stomach. I will admit that this probably isn't one of those things like this you know it it may be equally stomach turning and abhorrent to certain folks i i think most of the stuff in this you know i i think probably because i'm a fan of the joker i i was kind of willing to to let slide and i i just went along for the ride kind of treating it like you know somewhat like its own interpretation and elseworld like i wasn't too concerned about you know canonicity or I guess the the moral implications of what uh, a villain like the Joker is doing, but I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, what was your kind of take on this? What was your gut reaction? Like, did you like it? Did you hate it? Like, what did you think of it? I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Like, I think you're right when you say there's like a gut reaction to it to like you know the writing and like the art especially. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, I don't like to be like like how do how do I put this like I guess like grossed out when mm-hmm. I read things okay. and like the, okay. the way like, yeah, the art was kind of really like visceral and like, I don't know, like, he, you know, little details that made things look like, you know, gross or, you know, wet or, you know, just we like, you know, just uh, even like the Joker's face look like it, it kind of seemed like he was like kind of trying to draw like almost like Heath Ledger's Joker, but like, you know, like with the, with the bubbly like scars on the other, either side of his mouth. And I, I don't know, like I, I like, I, I, I sort of like enjoyed reading it, but I also like, you know, d- had a problem almost reading it. Like, no, 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 that, that's fair. I mean, it's I hard can, to, I, yeah. It, no, 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 I, I can imagine a lot of people do. I mean, I, I've, I've had discussions with people where they just kind of flat out say, I don't like this, period. You know, like, and, and, and I, I respect that and appreciate it. Like, I, I, I kind of get it because I think, I think I've read things from Azarello before where I've had that same kind of gut reaction or like, I, I remember when I saw the, the killing joke, the, the animated thing, like I, 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 I really did. Like I was literally like when I watched that first, you know, Batgirl segment, I was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like I was, I was like, this is, I don't know. I, I expected one thing and I got <laughs> something that was totally like 
designed to probably trigger me or something like that. So I, I get it. I mean, I think that's, it's weird. Like, like I think somebody like, I mean, I, I think it's fair to compare Azarello to somebody like Mark Millar. You know what I mean? Like there, there is that, that shock jock aspect to, to his writing, I think. And that, that's and, a, and yeah, that's a good comparison. The, the, yeah. the, the funny thing though, about him though, is I, I feel like, Azarello like plays all that down in their interviews, whereas Mark Millar kind of revels in it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I feel like Mark Millar keeps poking the bear, and Azarello is just kind of like it's it's probably equally infuriate infuriating to people that get mad about it. But I feel like Azarello, instead of poking the bear, he's just kind of like, no man, I didn't poke no bear. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. No, I you know I just I kind of saw a bear and it was there. But no, I didn't. I didn't poke it. I didn't. I didn't do anything. Like that. That's kind of what I feel like whenever I read shit that you know, or, or listen to interviews or something like that. Like, like it's it's almost like he's in denial about you know, kind of the the the, the knife twisting or something like that. Or or maybe he knows, but I I don't know. Anyway, it's just and this is all just yeah. Again, supposition. Like I don't I don't know any of this shit for real. It's just my my take on things or whatever. But and I guess since you mentioned it, I, I did want to bring this up because this this was this was sort of fucking with my head. So you mentioned the the notion like Bermejo was drawing the Joker very much in a Heath Ledger, you know, the Dark Knight style, right? And and uh, again, going to timelines, the Dark Knight came out in the summer of two thousand eight. This hardcover came out in October of 2008. So the hardcover, in, in some circles, they tried to sell it as like some kind of follow-up or sequel, you know, like tried to, to, at least on the heels of the Dark Knight's success, like try to be like, hey, you like the Dark Knight? You'll, you'll probably like this Joker graphic novel. Like you'll probably get into it and stuff. And, and I think when I first read it, I didn't have much of a notion of the background on Lieber Mayho or or any of this kind of stuff. And so I thought, you know, oh yeah, this this clearly was designed as, you know, if not a direct tie-in, you know, something that was it, it it was, you know, what they like to call, you know, corporate synergy, right? Like like the the notion that like, oh hey, we got this popular thing, well we're going to release this other thing and kind of try to make it look and feel like this recognizable thing so that if somebody walks into the comic store and they just saw the dark knight they'd be kind of like hey that that looks like what i just saw maybe i'll maybe i'll buy that like that that was kind of the notion you you got when you when you read this graphic novel i i think and 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 you pointed it out so so it must be kind of a universal feeling and and i the reason why i bring all that up is i was actually trying to do some research on something else which i'll get into in a second but it was it was about the scene between penguin and the joker and and i was kind of curious about something and so i started looking it up and i came across an azarello interview and i'll probably read some of that later but it's not related to what i was going to talk about but what i did notice in that interview was somebody mentioned the same thing we all have this universal notion like hey you know this joker graphic novel it looks like lee bermejo's you know doing a take on Heath Ledger like is that the case like were you was this a directive did you have to make it look like the movie like or whatever and and again this may be again Azarello playing down the shock jock stuff or the tie-in stuff but he was kind of like oh no man uh, there, was, there was no tie-in like um you know we we actually did this like you know way before I even worked on uh, the Gotham Knights animated thing and um you know, uh, Lee Bermejo, you know, he, 
he had that version of Joker a long time ago, even before the movie. It was like, you know, way back when, and like I think 2005 or something. And so I read that and I was like, wait a minute. So so even though this came out in 2008, Azarello's, you know, to me, I'm like my detective thing or my bullshit thing is like, what are you talking about? Like, like I don't I don't know any other comic book that came out in 2005 that had the Joker look like Heath Ledger before Heath Ledger was actually a thing. Like, so part of me was like, I don't know, my bullshit meter. Like, I, I don't know that I believe that. So I started like doing detective bullshit. I used my Google Foo and shit. And so there's this site called Batman on Film. And on Batman on Film, they do an interview with Lee Bermejo. And I think this was probably not too long after Batman Begins came out. And it, they asked him about his take on what he'd like to see in a sequel. So the first piece he did was of Two-Face. And, and they, they sort of over-apologized for it, or he does. And he says, you might not think... This looks like Denzel Washington, but supposedly the first piece was that he did, Lee Bermejo, was supposed to be like Denzel Washington is Two-Face. And and so I'm looking at that kind of going, oh, well, I, I, I see what he's saying because you basically see mostly the scarred side of Two-Face. So it, it'd be kind of hard to even discern like what the, the human side even looked like because most of the focus is on the scarred side of the face. And then they come to the Joker. And I'm just going to straight up read this. And, and there's actually an image. So if anybody wants to go look at it, they can go there. But apparently this image was done in 2005, which means it predates the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger by at least three years. I mean, even if you take into account like pre-production years or some crap, I mean, that's still like what? I don't know, like two years or something you know what i mean like at least right so anyway so yeah. this is what this is what he had to say about the joker lee bermejo the most interesting thing about the joker for me was always the mystery that surrounded the character he's a bit like hannibal lecter in the sense that it isn't so important in silence in the lamb uh, silence of the lambs to know where he came from it's what he is that makes the character amazing in many respects the joker is a serial killer his profile fits perfectly and i'm really hoping that nolan and goyer play him more as such instead of going for the over-the-top comedic opportunities they approached the Joker with in the 1989 Batman. Visually, I like the character, or visually, I like the idea of the character being played a lot darker and more disturbing as well. It's difficult to realistically explain why the guy would have a huge grin on his face all the time. This is why I came up with the idea to actually scar his face to mirror the Joker's smile. I remember seeing some police photos of the Black Dahlia and being genuinely disturbed by how her face was cut to look like a killer smile. After all, if this character was truly a crazy maniac, why wouldn't he do this to himself? Add a little smeared lipstick, white face paint, and purple eyeshadow, and you have yourself one demented-looking dude. I also gave him some scarring around the eyes to mirror clown makeup a little more. I don't know about you, but clowns have always been a bit scary to me. The John Wayne Gacy angle doesn't help. As far as clothing, maybe push the character a little more in the Tyler Durden direction. Give him a wardrobe that could be a little over the top, but not look completely fabricated and silly. And that, I mean, I guess that's proof enough to me that, that there was that notion i mean it, th this image doesn't look like uh, uh, a um a, a character sketch of heath ledger or anything but it does have that kind of horrific kind of 
Glasgow looking, you know, scarred looking smile, you know, and it does have the kind of the long, like, you know, kind of wavy, ratty hair and all that kind of stuff. And it and and definitely the notion of him kind of having a Tyler Durden dressy look, you know, it seems to carry over into that 2008 graphic novel too. You know, so much so that like characters like I I guess one of the things in the Azarello interview was like apparently like Bermejo didn't like the Riddler at all and didn't want him in the story, but then I guess Azarello took that as like a challenge to like, oh, how can I get this in there so that he won't hate it and then you know they kind of made him this i don't know kind of crippled looking kid rock with glasses or some shit i don't know you know whatever it was and to some people i'm sure that's like abhorrent it's like the regular's not that but you know to me i was just kind of taking it on face value and stuff and 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 they definitely play i don't know it's interesting like in some sense people would look at like croc and think this is some kind of aberration to to the killer croc character but then some people thought that coming from the school of like all they knew was like jim lee's killer croc where he was this giant alligator monster but you know from azarello's perspective i think he was taking it back to its quote-unquote roots you know the fact that he was just kind of this this strong man from new orleans who was you know had a had a skin disfigurement and they called him killer croc because of the skin disfigurement not that he was like a literal fucking alligator man you know like and and so in that sense there's that aspect where you're like yeah i see what ezra saying and then there's also the aspect that this is the same guy who wrote the max luke cage miniseries where everybody's like suck my dick bitch i got a grill you know so there's that aspect <laughs> to killer croc too where it's like come on bitch you gotta wait here and and I'll come when I'm good and ready, bitch, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So there is that there is that aspect to to that character as well. I'm I'm just curious because I dropped some stuff. But like, do you have any reactions or thoughts as far as like the interpretations of, say, like Riddler and, and Killer Croco? Not really. Like, I kind of I guess like after seeing what the Joker looked like, I kind of I guess they they fit into that world. Like, I, I feel like. Two Face seemed like the most familiar to me. Mm, okay. You know what I wanted to ask you? Why was the penguin named Abner? So this is like, the thing I researched, and this is the thing that's in the interview. And it's it's not it's not a great answer because, but there is an answer to it. So so the the interview that's from IGN Comics. So this is this is the answer to that because I knew I was going to be asked about this, and I knew I didn't know the answer to it. So. So IGN Comics is like, I need to ask you this next question because it stuck with me and my editor and we didn't know if we were missing the reference or what. Why does the Joker call Penguin Abner? And Azarello says, oh, why not? Laughs. And then IGN Comics is like, that wasn't a joke or a reference I missed? And Azarello's like, nope, just a form of disrespect. Laughs. So that's his answer. Basically, it's an insult. It's like me calling you Chad. Like, if I'm like, yeah, what's up, okay. Chad? Like, like, what's going on, Chad? And it's like, I guess that's the Joker's version of, like, a diss, where he's like, sup, Abner? Yeah, whatever, Abner. Like, fuck you, Abner. Like, I guess I guess that's that's the answer. Like, I, I mean, obviously his name isn't Abner. You know, it's Oswald. Yeah, like, why doesn't he just Alpha call him Ozzy or something? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's get just, it. I, yeah. it's, it's a diss, apparently. And, 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 I, don't, and one I, don't, that I don't get people, it. Don't yeah, get people it. don't get it. But, you know, but yeah, that's that's apparently the answer at, at any rate. So that's that that's what I originally 
research, which didn't have a very good answer, but because of that, I stumbled into this whole Bermejo doing the the scarred Joker smile like way before the Dark Knight, which I find very interesting. So I'm glad that 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 sort of you know paid off or whatever. And and I thought, I mean, you you said Two Face was the most familiar to you, but I mean, I as far as like the version of Penguin that is characterized, I think I would say, you know, calling back to Chuck Dixon, you know, the, the one that was characterized, I, I would say, by Chuck Dixon, you know, having the iceberg lounge being that kind of crime boss in plain sight, but supposedly looking like a legit business owner, but having all these like, you know, his his finger and all the, the pies across Gotham City, like that kind of penguin. Like, I feel like the penguin was pretty you know, familiar to me, you know, as much as you said Two-Face was. Like, I think those were both the ones that looked and felt to me the most like the versions I'm comfortable with or familiar with, I guess. You know, I mean, you know, it's not like it was like, you know, fucking superpowers Penguin or anything. You know, he didn't run around with, you know, his umbrella and all that other stuff, right? But I I still think that that it's not too divergent from, I guess, what I'd call like the Iceberg Lounge Penguin. Like, and that seemed like to me, like, still fairly legit for, for the Penguin, as opposed to, say, like, you know, the Riddler, who, like I said, is wearing glasses and looks like Kid Rock and somebody, like, stomped his hip or some shit, you know? Another, like, point about this story I wanted to bring up, like, I, I think, uh, like, you know, everyone kind of brings this up, and it's like, you know, you're like, why would anyone follow the Joker? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, with his reputation, like, you know, how expendable his henchmen are. And I think this story actually does a pretty decent job of, like, explaining what, like, by putting it, like, you know, on the POV of, like, you know, Frost, like, you know, the Joker's, like, number two, number two guy or whatever. My number two guy. Yeah. But, like, I I think, you know, it kind of paints a picture of, like, the kind of desperate, like, guy with nothing to lose who would like you know at least like it's exciting being with the joker you know like yeah there's there's a level of of ambition those people have i mean that's that's something that that seems to be the driving force that that you know you're like obviously like nobody wants to get killed but i think everybody thinks they're the special one you know like like i mean i mean frost does it himself you know it's kind of like he he at some point he kind of starts thinking he's big shit, you know, like, and, and that, that he's the, the guy. And you, you know, it, it's funny. Cause to me, like, I, I was thinking about this and it's, it's funny. Cause I, I know people hate like, or, or dislike suicide squad, like the film for all these various reasons. And people are like, you just got one reason, but it's like, yeah, I'm that sucker who was like, I kind of like the suicide squad movie. And yeah, you can send hate mail or throw fucking, rotten eggs or tomatoes at me or whatever but it's like there 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 are things i enjoyed about the suicide squad movie but you know the one fucking thing that bothered me about the suicide squad movie that johnny frost was in the fucking suicide squad movie and you know who he was he was that guy who looked nothing like fucking johnny frost that had like the the beard that was just like joker's number two guy in that movie like, do you remember that guy at all? Uh, not really, no. Yeah, see, he was he was totally unmemorable. He was, like, some dude in, like, uh, you know, he had, like, the, the goatee or the Van Dyke or whatever and, and kind of black hair and wore, like, usually, like, a, a black suit or some shit. And he was the guy that's, like, you know, 
they, they got they got Harley in this crazy new thing in New Orleans, and everybody's labeled a terrorist. What are we gonna do, boss? And like he had a couple other, you know, oh the boss, the boss, or whatever lines here and there. But that was about it, you know. And he was always kind of you know in the background in that movie. But for some reason, I was always like, I mean, I don't know. To me, it almost like smacks of like this graphic novel tried to make things like as I don't know, as realistic as Gotham supervillains could possibly be in this graphic novel. And, like, Johnny Frost, just based on his name, you know, like, he had a certain look. Like, I, th- this reference may be lost on, on a number of people, but you can go ahead and look it up if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But the the, the character Elijah Snow from Planetary like essentially is kind of what Johnny Frost looks like, except for he's kind of a, a scummy thug looking guy. And Elijah Frost is kind of like this, I don't know, authority level superhero or something like that or whatever with like, you know, powers and shit. But like still, it's like, OK, dude has white hair and he's got like a white suit and it's like, hey, I'm Johnny Frost, you know, and, and I kind of always like the way like I could kind of hear. I mean, it, it's interesting that that. You know, again, Azarello claims that, you know, oh, there's no corporate synergy. Like, we didn't plan a tie-in. This isn't a sequel to The Dark Knight or whatever. But, like, I could kind of hear in the Joker's voice, he was kind of like, hey, uh, Johnny, Johnny, it's good to see you. You know, and that kind of thing. And, and you're just kind of like, oh, that kind of, I don't know, I could kind of hear, like, the the kind of modern takes on the Joker, you know, the, the Heath Ledger Joker, like, dialogue or, or, or sound coming out of that that joker's voice but maybe that's just a a sense memory type thing you know where you see the visual that kind of reminds you of the heat ledger joker so you kind of hear that voice no matter how it's written or whatever but i i guess i i guess my my thing was again i i kind of thought of it almost as like quote-unquote costume shame you know because i was like wait so they were too embarrassed to have a guy with like white hair and a white suit named johnny frost like so they just had him be some generic guy in a black suit and a Van Dyke. And I was just like, yeah, that, that's kind of disappointing, you know? Like, so, and I, I guess I, you know, this is an interesting take where it is done through the, the POV of, of Johnny Frost. And, and again, like you point out, this is a character that's got a lot of problems, but he's also like extremely ambitious and, and kind of, you, you, you're, I guess you you can kind of I mean it, it's an interesting thing and I think that's why people feel uncomfortable with Azarello writing is cuz you're given a character to identify with and see things from his POV and you, you kind of the deeper you go into it the uglier you find out that character is or can be and and he even has lines of dialogue like that about himself where he's kind of like, yeah, you, you know, you want to think you're like the stand up guy and you're going to go down swinging when the shit hits the fan. And then when the shit hits the fan, you find out like you're kind of a fucking coward or you're not, you know, you know, you're not as, you know, you, you're not as big as the shit you were talking five minutes ago and all that other kind of stuff. And I think, I think it's that notion. It's kind of like, when I used to watch the prison drama Oz and it's like, you'd find characters to relate to and then they get fucking butt raped. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I can't relate to that character so much anymore because it feels very uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> and, and it's kind of the same thing with, with 
Johnny Frost, you know, because you're like sitting there kind of going, oh, well, you're, you're kind of going along for the ride. And, you know, I, I think the thing that that like, you know, I'm sure there'd be clinchers for other people. There's plenty of telltale signs where you go along the, the route with Johnny Frost and you can find visual imagery or 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 allusions and subtext of 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 what he's done or what he will continue to do and, and all those kind of things where you're like you you would totally disassociate with a person like that but i think for me i mean the the key moment is is probably like the fact that he and and i did tweak the wikipedia entry with this and i just want to like go into that just for a second but like the, the, I think what I kind of said was that, you know, the Joker is undoing his pants and that he had intercourse with his wife. And of course, this this woman is, you know, a broken mess and crying after the whole experience. And, you know, they don't go into detail. I mean, you know, for all you know, she's a broken mess even before when she gets kidnapped by Two-Face. Right. But the way the Wikipedia entry describes it is that the Joker rapes her and saying this makes joker and frost even since frost quote-unquote cheated on the joker by not revealing his own meeting with dent and like the reason why i excise that out of the wikipedia synopsis is i don't well i i, I don't know that i agree with the whole cheated thing or or, or that the the meaning is as plain as like i raped your wife because you were talking to dent behind my back like i actually i don't know i mean i'll ask you about this in a minute what your interpretation of the whole thing is but i actually took that to be you know johnny frost like shoots that one cop in the head right before he's about to kill the joker and he saves the fucking joker's life like at that point he's chosen like he's not going to be with dent he's He's thrown all his eggs in the Joker basket at that point. Like, he's all in. And as reprehensible and vile as all the things the Joker does to Johnny Frost, to his wife Shelley, to everybody around him, like, to me, from the Joker's twisted perspective, like, he's saying they're even because he thinks or he has saved Shelly's life. Like, to him, Two-Face was going to kill her and kill them and, you know, whatever, right? And and so my take on that whole thing, I, I mean, as much as it, it would make people mad, I think the whole, I, you know, the, 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 the rape, the, the intercourse, the, that, that's, I don't want to say it's completely irrelevant, but it's irrelevant only as so much as it applies to Johnny Frost. Like it, 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 it's uncomfortable. And that's why this whole thing gets ugly, but it's like, unfortunately, like Shelly's not even a fucking consideration for the Joker. The Joker's teaching Frost a lesson through, unfortunately his wife, like he's pointing out like, he says in the beginning, take with you only what you need. And, and, and Frost comes with like no possessions of his own, but yet he's still got that weakness in his back pocket that Two-Face tries to exploit. And then to me, I always, I kind of took it as he's just saying, look, you shot that cop and saved my life. 
I had Harley kill all these other people and we we dealt with Two-Face and and we didn't have Shelly killed. She's going to go run off and and go be with the kid and all this other stuff. And yeah, she's completely traumatized and and she's been totally violated, but she's not dead. And that's Joker's way of saying, "All right, you and me we're we're even Steven now. Like you you saved my life, but I saved her life. So so we're good. I don't I don't owe you anything." Like, I don't, I'm not indebted to you. You're, you don't have to be my right hand man. I can still fucking flip out and kill you at the drop of the dime, but I did you a solid, so we're good. And then the reason why I say the other stuff is irrelevant, the other stuff being, as Wikipedia calls it, you know, the rape of Shelly, like, I don't mean to diminish the act, but to the Joker's twisted way of thinking, like, he's essentially like being like, I, I don't know. It's weird. Like they, they talk about all this kind of stuff, like toxic masculinity. And that's what I thought of when I was reading that because it gets super ugly. But the funny part is you can be toxic to somebody who's not a female. I mean, you can, you can enact toxicity on another man and that's what's going on. Like, like they're, Johnny Frost's relationship with the Joker, I mean, you pointed out, you say, this this piece does a good explanation of why somebody would be one of Joker's henchmen. And, you know, to a sane, normal person, reading it from a, a third-person perspective goes, what are you, crazy? You know, the Joker's going to light a cigar, and he's going to blow up your face. Like, why would you do that? Like, that's insane. But from the person that's, you know, you know, and Justin will make fun of me, but, you know, from the person that's in the shit, right, they're just thinking that they're getting this rush from being with someone who's exhilarating this, this, this essentially bipolar person that when he's in a happy mood, they talk about how everybody's in a happy mood. Like when the Joker's high and in a rush and he's filling the room with his electricity, like Croc and all these thug guys and the strippers and every, everybody's fucking happy. But then when he gets pissed, then everybody fucking pays for it. And he fucking starts killing people, you know? So it's like, it's not like he's a great person to be around, but because they enjoy that rush, you know, because they enjoy being with him, they stay with him. And it's, and again, just like, you know, I don't know, in, in some stories, like the Harley Joker relationship, like all this other stuff, it's all very toxic. And, and the funny part is, to me, I, I don't know, this might be getting too personal or whatever, but for me, even if you eliminate the rape completely from the equation. I mean, there are men that will go after a woman that some other man is in love with and revel in it and enjoy it just because, not because they, they like the woman or they love the woman or they have any passion for the woman, but just because the notion that it will piss off the other man that they got with the other woman, you know, like as some kind of, you know, prize or trophy or, or or to shove it in their face you know like like that that you know somebody will claim to be your friend but take delight in having even consensual sex with a woman just because they can rub it in your face you know and it's like that that kind of ugly thing and i i kind of feel like that's that's what the joker was trying to do to johnny frost is like just just totally break him you know, like, and, and that, that he, he got that twisted, perverse sense of pleasure doing it. But, yeah, 
So I know that was a whole shit ton of shit, but that's that's kind of that's kind of what goes through <laughs> my head when when I'm reading that kind of stuff. I always, and it's it's weird to say since you know Harley Quinn's been a fixture for a long time now, but I always still find it weird when like they have the Joker like have sex like like mm. do you find that weird like I don't know it just it's seems interesting. like. I've... I've, I've heard that discussed before because I've heard people discuss like, I mean, I, I don't know that I have any problem with it one way or the other, but I mean, I've heard people make that argument that they, they find the Joker to be an asexual creature like that. he You know, sex doesn't mean anything to him one way or the other. Right. Like that. He's he doesn't you know that like that would have no impact. Yeah, it doesn't seem like him. it would be one of his like primal needs or anything, I guess. I don't know, like or at least high up on the list. It's, but, or like, I, like, like so you were talking about, like the Killing Joke animated thing. Like, yeah, when, when, when Batman goes and talks to those like prostitutes, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like the Joker hit us up like first thing when he got out of prison." And I'm like, "Really? Like uh, that doesn't like you can almost rationalize what he does to like Barbara Gordon, like in his like sick mind, because that's you know to you know completely traumatize her father and her and like you know." get on batman's case but i don't know like it, it just seems weird to me when he does it just for the sake of it i guess well but i and i think i i think i would argue at least in the case with shelly like he's not just doing it for the sake of doing it he's he you know like you say like the the line from killing joke is to prove a point here's the crime you know like like he always thinks he's proving some kind of twisted point you know, like like there's always some kind of method to the madness, at least in his own head. And I, I guess that that that's the thing that I think because it's so ugly, you know, like using sex as as a weapon, using sex to just callously prove that that people are, you know, weak and brittle and, and that they 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 have a weakness because you have a biological desire for something like I, I think that's something that's like a hard truth for people to face you know like and and it's easy to say and and not easy to uh, I don't know recognize or, or or want to acknowledge but like I, I, I sort of appreciate why the kind of writing that Azarello does can be like, super duper uncomfortable i mean it's something uncomfortable to talk about and it's something to you know make is, is certainly uncomfortable reading but i i don't know what it is like some, sometimes like there's certain things about it where you know depending on what it is i guess i'm I, I guess i guess i'm more inclined to give this book a pass over say like that that animated killing joke thing because it's not like I, I don't know, like like maybe because it's it's the way some of those characters look that they don't look quite like the real quote unquote characters. Like like maybe it, it's not as you know how sort of I described that that the the devil's advocate quote unquote counts. Like I kind of think like like it's kind of funny, but it, it, I think it works to its favor. But I think this Azarello graphic novel, like I think it doesn't quote unquote count, and because it doesn't count, like. I'm I'm less inclined to be like, you know, angry nerd like waving his hand in the sky at clouds, going like, "You ruined my character," because it's like, I, I I almost know from the outset like these aren't really my characters. It's just somebody kind of having a little, you know, I don't know, experiment with them, and it's like, all right, well, I'll 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 go along with this experiment. It's not like it's gonna be forever. It's just for this 
you know, 100 or so pages. And, and, and when it's all said and done, I can feel uncomfortable, take my shower and clean myself off so I feel better about myself and then kind of go on with my life. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's too too simplistic a way of, of looking at this. But that's, I, I think, my my ultimate take on it. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it, it's just something, like, I've found, with, like, odd, like, I guess, over the years. Like, or it just kind of, it's something, like, I sort of automatically reject, I guess. Like, like I said, even though it's, like, you know, it's, like, he's had Carly Quinn for, like, 20-something, 20, 20, almost 30 years now. And it's, like, you're kind of, like, well, obviously him and Harley have been doing stuff together. But it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right. Like it's it's weird though. Do you do you feel the same thing about like like I mean, does the eighty nine Batman movie strike you as odd? Because I mean, he's definitely like coming on to Vicky Vale the entire movie. Like I mean, he was he was he was dating Jerry Hall, you know, like in in that right. Like there's there's aspects I guess, of if well, you look at like say like Caesar Romero, he always had all these little hot little numbers, you know, with their their pointy bras and all that other stuff like yeah. that in the 60s you know and it's like what he just he had the gun mall just because like i don't i don't think so like like i mean they're, they're, to me like i i don't disagree or i i don't have really a horse in the race like i i could understand like some people are like no i think the joker's asexual and i think maybe that that might come up because if if you acknowledge that the, the, and this could go into some some weird arenas too. But I mean, if you acknowledge that the Joker like has a thing for Harley Quinn sexually, which you know has been portrayed in things like Suicide Squad or or, or whatever, right? Like there there's been notions. There's also been notions where he's like totally uninterested in her. You know, he just bats her away and stuff, and doesn't really seem to pay her much mind other than what he can get out of her which you know to some people maybe it makes them feel more comfortable when it's asexual right it's like he 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 abuses her but but not sexually because it's a cartoon and it would make them feel uncomfortable if he did right like there's that notion to it but i think also the asexuality probably protects from the whole you know i mean you know i'm sure there have been tons of dissertations written on you know the joker wanting to fuck the crap out of batman like, I mean, I'll just throw it out there, but it's like, that's, that's a, that's, that's something too, right? Like where it's like the whole dark night, you know, wearing lipstick and all this other fucking shit where you're just like, dude, like if you, if you, if you don't want that in your Batman, you know, if you just want like the brave and the bold Batman and he punches the Joker and that's the end of it, then it's pretty comfortable to just say, all right, the Joker's asexual. He does a bunch of crazy shit, but he, he sex doesn't come into it. But then if you acknowledge the sexuality thing then it's like well if the, if the joker's unpredictable and crazy then he's going to be unpredictable and crazy when it comes to sex too so i think that's probably part of it too because there's probably a level of uncomfortability with that notion that that somebody that depraved can be a sexual creature because it makes people feel uncomfortable because that's such a an intimate and and sacred act you know, I mean, I hope so, you know, for, for most people, right, that, 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 that it's a good thing and that it's a positive thing and, and that, you know, it's something that should be cherished. But then, you know, you go into something like that where, you know, it's like, oh, holy shit, you know, like that that could go into some really dark, twisted and depraved areas. So I, I that that would be my answer at the very least. I think I think yeah, thinking no, that, the Joker's that's... asexual is probably a healthy defense mechanism, you know. 
Yeah, it's like you don't want to think about it, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, like like you said, like where you were, you were kind of like, you know, this isn't this isn't for reals or this isn't like canonical. This is a yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. a, just a, a story that takes place in the confines of the cover of this book, basically. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, when you, when you put it that way, it's easy to, you know, make allowances and stuff, but like, I don't know, like this version of the Joker is not a Joker. Like I'd want to follow, I guess, like, or I'd want to see. And like, I, I don't know, like, there, there are certain versions of the Joker I I'm not interested in, and like, like I I don't like the Jared Leto Joker, for example, right, right. like, and I, and I don't like this Joker, and I, I don't I can't exactly pinpoint why, but like I don't know, maybe they don't seem as fun, I guess. Well, like I mean, the, obvi- yeah. obviously, like yeah. you know, it's it's the Joker's a murderer and stuff, but it's still like. You know, Mark Hamill, like Heath Ledger, like even Jack Nicholson, like there's there's still you still are compelled to watch them because is they're, it, you know, is it do you I, I don't know this this might be a weird question, but because I know you're 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 having a hard time identifying the, the reason. Right. But do you think maybe it has something to do with that, that with those jokers, the, the ones you mentioned, like you don't get the joke? It could be, yeah. Like I don't get their routines. I okay. guess to use okay. that like parlance, basically. Just, think, but yeah, I think I, think I, I know that's kind of strange because we're talking about you know the Joker and he's like sadistic and he's a psycho and all that other stuff. But like I, I think there's something true to the fact that like there's with comedy, like I mean that that can be a very subjective thing. You know what makes one person bust up laughing might not necessarily be the same thing as what somebody else busts up laughing from and why you know it's why you have like different types of comedy and 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 you know some things you know some people like you know it's like you got lowbrow and highbrow and 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 you know all kinds of stuff in between you know and it's like it's like you know and i'm not i'm not saying like one of these is is highbrow and and the stuff you like is lowbrow or vice versa but it's just it's just one of those things where it's like some some things just don't strike people funny like they do other people you know and it's like that's that's all very subjective so i mean it makes sense right because part of part of the joker's appeal i i you would think is the fact that he even if it's twisted there there might be something where it's like you you sort of see the twisted humor and and maybe it's it's a more comfortable feeling to to at least be able to recognize part of that but when it's so divorced from any sense of your i don't know appreciation for the humor like i i can see why that would be a turnoff right because because all you see is this ugly horrible person doing horrible things and you're like well wait what's the you know where's the appeal what's the joke like where's you know it, it could even be as so much as it doesn't have to be funny but maybe you think the joker is a clever you know Person. And maybe maybe some of those things that that he does, those interpretations of the Joker, maybe, you know, they're kind of stilted or don't feel as clever or, you know, whatever you're, you know, taking. Yeah, it's is. like it's almost like they're it's like crass, like mm, not clever, okay. really, okay. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it'd be interesting to, to look at both those because I, I think I, I would argue at any rate with with Devil's Advocate, you have sort of a very to me, a uh, 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 classic 
well, I, I don't know about, you know, like, not like, you know, 50s classic, but I mean, like, you know, you, you've got something that, that was in the 90s, but that was kind of of its time was was kind of, I think, what most people would be able to easily identify as a classic Joker story or interpretation of the Joker. You know, like there there are moments that are sadistic and bloody and brutal, but there's also moments where he kind of cracks a joke and, and, and makes you laugh or does these kind of outlandish things and stuff like that, Where and, and, and the kind of familiar Joker. And then I think this is, you know, the, the Azarello is, is kind of going into that, you know, I don't know, paving the road for some of these things that people find abhorrent, you know, a Joker that rips off his own face or, you know, like the, you know, all, all these kind of things that people have I, I feel like, at least in my circles, you know, things that people have rejected, right? And you're seeing the groundwork for that. And it's like, I, I can see why people would look at something like this. And, you know, I, I think it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, I, I don't think that's by accident or by chance. You know, I, I, I think that's almost purposeful, you know, and it's like, it's like, I think that's why some people have that strong rejection of it. You know, it's like, it's like, they don't, you know, it, it's like anything else, you know, whether you're arguing about, you know, I don't know, politics or, or whatever it is that people don't want in their comics, you know, like there, there, there's that or, or, or how much is too much, you know, maybe there's like a, a, a barometer or something where it's like for you, it might be, you know, this much. And for me, it might be that much or whatever. And, and, and there's that, you know, notion of, of, you know, may, maybe most people, you know, they, they want to read comics to escape. And this is delved into some, some, areas that are are really anything but escape right so so there's there's that aspect where you can see why oh well you know for a lot of people that'd be a turnoff right and and i, I guess it's funny it's like it's like the stamps and the, the the mass killings like yeah that that's in the devil's advocate but i there's almost a sense of it that feels like it it's not quite as visceral or real, you know, that, 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 that it's still escapism in some way. And that you, you have a sense that, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's very clear with the endings, right? Because you've got an ending with the devil's advocate. It's very clear. The Joker is, you know, I mean, as much as we make fun of Batman, you know, not, not pulling the Joker on death row, it's very clear that Batman has brought Joker back to Arkham Asylum. He's locked up. He's where he belongs. He's been brought to, you know, justice, right? Like he's he's taken care of. Whereas the ending to the other one, who the fuck knows what happens? They're still fighting and fucking Frost's fucked up ass jumps across the fucking bridge and falls to his death, presumably, right? Like we don't fucking know. It's it's uncertain, <laughs> it's unclear, like there's no sense of catharsis, there's no sense that that anybody has paid for all these heinous acts. And even Batman, I mean, we talk about, you know, you talk about Bat God, Bat Dick, or whatever, back in the 90s being, like, uh, you know, nasty to people, which is, you know, perfectly true. Like, he, he gets arrogant and, you know, tries to screw up the Justice League and all this other stuff, right? But look at this guy. This guy just cracks a joke that leads the Joker to blow a hole in this guy's face. And smiles while it happens. I mean, if you stop and think about it, you're like, come on, man. Like, how? And and, and I guess from that perspective, you get into the whole thing where people feel uncomfortable about, you know, like the, the Batman v Superman, you know, brand branding Batman. It's like, why? You know, that that kind of notion of like, clearly he, he has little to no concern for for Johnny Frost. You'd wonder if that Batman would just let the Joker 
you know, get electrocuted in the electric chair. Like, he might, right? Like, I don't know. It's like, in Devil's Advocate, Batman's like, you know, I have brought you to justice, Joker, and you will stay in Arkham forever. See you next week. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there, there's definitely a dichotomy in the in the two stories, and I I just thought it'd be fun to sort of look at both of them, and you know, for me, I I mean, as much as we've gone into it, and and as as much as some of the content of I'd say the the uh, the the Azarello graphic novel can can lead to or be uncomfortable. I'll still put myself out there and say I, I wouldn't have brought either of these up if I didn't, you know, enjoy reading them both. So I, I mean, I, I, I would say for me, like there, there were aspects of both of these that I enjoyed. I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know that I'd be willing to put the Azarello Joker on like a, a favorite list, but I think. It, it was something that I enjoyed reading the first time I read it. And then when I read it again for this, this podcast, I wasn't like, you know, angry or anything that I read it. I mean, there's, the, I don't know. There, there's a weird notion to me about the, the Joker itself. Like, like I was thinking about, you know, Oh, I, I dressed up as the Joker for Halloween. I, I, you know, there, you know, it's like me, I try to do the, the Joker voices and do different things, whether it's Hamill or whoever, you know, and, and, and that aspect of like you, you you get into you know quote unquote playing a role or 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 doing something and 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 there's that that strange aspect of you know like like sometimes they you know they talk about like the guy in Blade Runner who's like oh you know he he got stuck in his role and couldn't get out of that that weird crazy zone or whatever it is you know and it's like you look at you know things like that and so you know that there, there were some things that I think, you know, Heath Ledger's performance, you know, things like that, where I, I felt like I delved into sort of that abyss, you know, because the Joker can be uh, a character that can lead you into some dark kind of abysmal black hole caverns, you know, and it's like that that's something that's that's uh, I don't know. That, that that I think made me take pause this time, you know, where I was, I, I think I recognized that and kind of went, oh, this is, you know, the, you know, obviously, it, 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 you know, the, those are not the, the, the qualities that the Joker has, you know, the, 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 that are not, it, it's funny that there's things that are attractive, but you realize these are all bad things you know i mean all encompassing right so it's like it's like it, it, it's interesting because you're like sitting there going oh as a little kid i was like oh yay the joker and it's like you know but then you're kind of like it, it's kind of like the same thing like it, it's easier for me to recognize it in something like harley quinn where you're like you really want a bunch of little girls idolizing harley quinn and i think the same question if you're gonna be sexless and and have no gender bias you, you'd probably attribute the same thing do you really want a bunch of little boys idolizing the joker you know like and and i think i think the clear answer to those questions is no for both of those but that's that's just me i enjoyed being exposed to this like cool, uh, cool. i've exposed you i i'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a filthy animal <laughs> yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah and like you know i i i like reading stuff i haven't read so yeah, well, i think I, I i uh i appreciate your willingness to uh to uh, be exposed to new things with me, as as funny as that sounds. Nice. 
All right. Well, if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, I'm sure there are plenty of concerns. If anybody's actually listened to this, you can email us at familiespodcast at gmail.com. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, retweets, feedback that we have received. We are on all kinds of streaming platforms now. I I sort of have to get this right because everything's changed recently. But we're no longer on iTunes because I think by the time you're listening to this, iTunes will not exist. And it'll be, I guess, Apple Podcasts. And we are on Stitcher Radio. We can still be streamed there. We're on Google Play and Spotify. So if you you know you don't want to download the uh, MP3, you can you can stream us. Like that's that's a perfectly viable option to check out the backlog of the shows. We're also over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com if you would just want to do some direct downloads and check out all the backlog in addition to comics motherfucker do you read them we've got all kinds of shows we've got mobile suit mondays toku thursdays sentai saturdays transformers tuesdays we've got big in japan where we talk about anime we've got justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast and we've got the fanholes podcast proper So if you've enjoyed listening to this show, consider checking out all the others. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike signing off. You're always taking shots by people who just don't get the joke. Ah, what the heck? I'll laugh anyway. (laughs) Woke up quick at about Just thought that I had to be in for the day begin before my mother starts pitching about my friends about to go and damn near went down young niggas on the path blowing up gang signs i went in the house to get the clip with my mac 10 on the side of my head i bailed outside and i pointed my weapon just as i thought the fools kept stepping i jumped in the flow hit the juice of my ride i got front and back side to side I let the Alpine play I was pumping new shit Buying WA It was gangster gangster at the top of the list Then I played my own shit I went something like this Cruising down the street in my 6-4 Jocking the bitches Slapping the hoes I went to the park to get the scoop Knuckleheads out there Cold shooting smooth Car cools up, who can it be? Fresh El Camino rolling Kilo G He rolls down the window and he starts to say It's all about making that GTA Cause the boys in the hood are always hard Come talking that trash and we'll pull your car Knowing nothing in life but to be legit Don't quote me boy, I ain't said shit as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Greeted with the 40 and I start drinking From the 8-ball my breath starts stinking I gotta get my girl to rock that body Before I left I hit the Bacardi Pulled to the house, get her out of the path And the bitch said something to make me mad She said something I couldn't believe So I grabbed the stupid bitch by a nappy ass weave Started talking shit 
wouldn't you know I reached back like a pimp and I slapped the hoe And her father stood up and he started to shout So I threw a right cross and knocked his old ass out Cause the boys in the hood are always hard Come talking that trash and we'll pull your card Knowing nothing in life but to be legit Don't quote me boy, I ain't said shit Trippin' but it's alright Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly Punk ass fly Hey, we've now everybody, man everybody. That's good You're good, you're good You do the best Tamil impression, Joker hey. that, that That's pretty nice I, I feel good about that that's a that's a swelling ego boost of any yeah of anyone I know. And and you watch those like uh, what do you call it assault on Arkham videos or whatever with that guy trying to do the Mark Hamill too. So you kind of know him. So you're yeah. kind of saying kind of saying I'm better than him. So that makes yeah. me feel pretty good. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Troy Baker is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's pretty good. But he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think when I read those, it was like Hamill was in my head for the Devil's Advocate, and then like kind of like a, a Heath Ledger slash uh, 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 Jared Leto was kind of in my head. Yeah, for the, I could see that. The, the uh, Azarello one. It was like honka honka. <laughs> Ace Ventura, <laughs> you mean? <laughs> uh. Making weird purring noises or whatever. He shot that one guy for checking out Harley Quinn in the fucking nightclub. So he's got to have something going on in his loins. Yeah, I guess so. Probably has a tattoo on his dick or something that says, ha ha. I want the people who see my dick to know that I like to laugh. That's gotta hurt. It's a hunk of hunk of hurt. Yeah. 